Welcome back, friends. This week, I chat with Leonard Patterson from Artist Collective, and we talk about how social media literally saved his life and ideas on how live streaming can bring you closer to your audience. He literally wrote the book on it. So whether you have a music background or not, he shares some great insights all folks can use if you have any kind of premium offer. So I hope you enjoy this episode, and here we go. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Another episode of Vibe Talk Awaken. This week, I have a very special guest. I had the pleasure of finally connecting with him in real life off of social media, which was exciting. Leonard mm-hmm. Patterson is a live stream strategist and certified content marketer for Artist Collective. He helps artists, bands, and musicians launch their live video ideas and turn them into viable income streams. He's also the author of a brand, author of a brand new book, 365 Live Stream Ideas for Musicians. And his career has spanned over 20 years with roles that include a frontman for a six-figure party band, booking agent with a th- over a thousand shows under his belt, and he's been featured in live streaming pros, social media today, Hypebot, Gigmore, and bands in town. Quite a resume. How are you feeling, Leonard? I am feeling feeling very good. Thank you so much for the intro, and thank you so much for having me, definitely. Absolutely, yes. I'm so excited to connect with you, and I'm so glad we actually got to hug and meet in real yes. life, so I'm, I'm glad. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. No, I was just going to say working with people and, and being in the uh, business for so long, especially after this past year and a half, it just becomes so normal that, you know, we haven't met people. So I'm like, yes, we actually did meet. That's awesome. So yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now I'm on the on the West Coast, which feels good. Absolutely. Yes. Although you're going to be leaving us soon, but that's okay. I know, right? <laughs> All good. So yeah, we, we always start every episode off with the question that, you know, turned my life upside down, and that's that of awakening. So I would love to hear your story and what sparked your awakening journey. Okay. So I feel like I've had many awakenings throughout my, my life, just like epiphanies, if you will, but... Quite literally, my awakening started when I woke up from my surgery, my cancer surgery. And I was, you know, diagnosed with cancer last year. And it's something that I never imagined, like hearing the words like, hey, you have cancer. And then throw on top of that, hearing that during COVID. And then not having your wife be able to go with you or your support system, but just be there by yourself hearing this stuff. Obviously I'm a grown man and I'm going to like quote unquote handle my stuff, but that was, that sucked. Like just that whole, whole thing sucked. But then getting closer to the surgery, making all those decisions, it was becoming apparent that I was very, very lucky to have caught it when I did. And so they were, just kept telling me, wow, I can't believe, you know, I'm usually like having different conversations with this kind of diagnosis and looking blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, whatever, that's cool. But then to actually have the surgery and then wake up and and realize that how valuable time was when you were told that you almost didn't have any left. And that just put an entirely new perspective on 
things that were already in front of me, things that I may have been conscious of, but it's, it was just lifted a veil of like, what am I really focusing on? Like, what is, what do I want to leave my sons? Like, what do I want to have be my legacy? Cause I'm like, I'm just so grateful for being able to wake up and realize that I'd had the surgery and that from what they were telling me at that point, that it was very successful and, and all of that. And I just started thinking about, wow, there could have been a chance that I might not have either woken up from that period. And like this, you know, this is all stuff going through my head in a very lucid state. Cause I'm still on drugs, but I'm like, you know, who was going to come to my funeral? What would they have said? what will they have not known that I still had to do, that I still wanted to do? All of the thoughts, all of the plans, all of the things that I had, that I had yet to realize. And I'm like, wow. So you got a second chance, dude. You need to wake up and you need to start going after it. So don't talk about that one very often. But yeah, that was, yeah, literally when we were talking about the awakening, like, yeah, it actually started when I woke up. and. I've been on a mission ever since, and that was in November. Wow! So yeah, just that's, that's powerful. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. What would Ooh. what would you say was the the biggest shift once you then did woke up? What was the biggest shift in your life that made you then actually take action? Like I know the the obvious one is yeah, you had the cancer, but then you know, kind of just like with New Year's resolutions, then people fall off, right? So Mm -hmm. what was the biggest shift that then kept you going to actually follow through? And you were, I mean, you wrote a whole book, so. (laughs) A couple of things. One was the, were the meetings that I was having with doctors right after that. So just more specifically, I had my prostate removed. And after you have it removed, then they're able to do specific tests and and pathology and find out even more details. So like they kind of glossed over, they were kind of like giving me a little bit of info of like, Oh, you're pretty lucky. But then afterwards for them to actually have meetings with me and have them actually have studied what it was, they just doubled down on how lucky I was to have caught it because they were basically like, I'm usually having conversations with people with this kind of, it was stage three uh, prostate cancer. Like we're usually having quality of life discussions in these meetings. So at that point, my wife was able to be with me. So we just kind of sat in the office and cried for a second because they were basically like, it had started to get into my lymph nodes, which carries it throughout and does a bunch of other stuff that you can't recover from, but it had only just begun to creep out. So uh, the timing was very, very critical. And they basically said, you know, if, if I wouldn't have had it treated or something like I was on like that five year plan, like, like literally that was what he said. And I was like, yeah, man, if you didn't get this treated or something like this is like, like five years. So like, it wasn't like some, Oh, this will happen down the line. But so continuing to hear that, was like, okay, so what am I doing? So like, so then I can only think of like five years. Like, okay, what do I need to get done <laughs> in the next five years? Obviously that wasn't the actual time frame anymore, but it was ingrained. And then 
The other piece that really affected me was the recovery. And because of the way that they did the surgery, like there was a probably like a 30 day, like almost a six week, like physical recovery. And I couldn't lift anything. Um, I could, you know, barely do anything on my own. I had a, um, you know, a catheter. I woke up with holes in me, all this kind of stuff that I wasn't really mentally prepared for, but so thankful that, you know, (laughs) for why they were there. But it was not being able to pick up my son for three weeks. And that, like... He's, you know, at the time he was like a year and a half. And so like, that was the, you know, that was the daily, like, uh, reminder, yeah. reminder mm-hmm. and like, uh, I can't, I can't even like pick him up to put him in his crib, you know, and all this stuff kind of still attached to me. Like he couldn't, you know, I could come in and like, she could hold him and give him, I could get a little kiss or hug or something like that. But it was like that physical separation in addition to the mental reminder of how valuable time was and I'm like okay well this is going to change so um, I used to I used to work a ton just seven days a week over the weekend doing stuff like that and um, I just was very conscious of you know what I've been out of commission now for four weeks and barely doing anything and hmm things are still happening things are still okay okay so actually, that was kind of a third thing is like the fact that things were still going on, you know, life was still, you know, progressing and all that stuff while I wasn't able to do what I thought I needed to be doing and that things would like fall apart without me. It's like, right. oh, okay, maybe, maybe I should shift my priority. Yeah, maybe I'm actually going to like hug my son a little bit more. Maybe I'm going to spend more time with him uh, than I even thought um, you know, I was going to do before. So there were, there were a few things, but it was a combination of all of them that really, really affected me and that I'm still, I'm still on that train, you know, today, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. It's usually our, you know, quote unquote rock bottoms. And that looks different for everyone that wake us up. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And Sure. We always go around saying, "Oh, don't let a rock, don't wait till you hit rock bottom to wake up." But rock bottom looks different for everyone, whether that's a health or mm-hmm. drugs or failed career or divorce. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of you that listen to the podcast uh, may know my story, may not. For me, it was you know divorce, bankruptcy, all of those things. But for you, it was your health. So I'm just really glad that you were able to to turn that around, and you know you're you're here with us now. So I'm curious. What advice would you give for people who, you know, may not have necessarily hit that rock bottom, but also kind of feel that feeling in the back of their head of, you know, time is running out or they have that constant feeling of, yeah, maybe time is running out, but they don't really know what to do with that. Do you have any, any advice that you can yeah. share? You know, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of what I did, you know, unintentionally, but I, if there's a way to intentionally do this, but that would be to imagine imagine what the world would be like without you here. Not in like a positive, like, oh, I wonder what it'd be. Not that sounded bad, actually. Um, <laughs> but just to think about what legacy you want to leave. Think about 
what you would want someone to either say about you or just to make sure that if you're not here, that the people that you do love, the people that you care about, the things that are important to you, that in some way, shape, or form, they know that from day to day, from week to week. Um, because we that's the thing about rock bottom is rock bottoms aren't planned. Rock bottoms are not in our control. Rock bottoms are more often than not external things that, that happen to us. And you don't know when that, that rock bottom day is going to be. And obviously they say the same thing about death, but um, I was, I was fine. I felt nothing. Everything was fine. Every, you know, nothing was going on. And this is <laughs> the other part, I guess, is going to be like, don't be afraid to share your story because you never know how your story will impact others. Um, and which, you know, I will say, you know, thank you for the the podcast and sharing your story and the awakening journeys, awakening journeys of so many people. So thank you for that. Um, but honestly, it was social media that saved my life. Wow. I'm, I'm going to say that out loud. I don't hear that often. <laughs> I know. That's, that's, that's why I want to say it because it's, it's not something that we commonly hear. Social media cleanses and all that stuff. Those, you know, do what you need to do. Take your time and all that. But a friend of mine from high school was posting about his colon cancer journey. And unfortunately, he didn't, he didn't make it. He, he passed um, the beginning of 2020. But leading up to that, yeah. Uh, but leading up to that point, he was very vocal and very just outward about his treatments and encouraging uh, encouraging us to you know get screened for colonoscopies and things like that. And so uh, he was very you know open with it and was just very like uh, encouraging for all of us. Like, hey guys, take care of your health. Um, I don't care what the doctor says, you know, if you're, you know, getting to a certain age, you know, this isn't something that you have to get permission to go get screened, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm, I'm seeing these things on social media. And here's the thing, even that I was thinking to myself, oh, you know what? I should probably go get that checked out. It didn't like hit me over the head. Like I should probably go get that checked out. And he was still uh, with us at the time. This was uh, November-ish, October, November-ish of 2019. And then randomly, I see a video from Will Smith on YouTube. And he was actually uh, showing his colonoscopy journey. I'm like, oh, man, people, a lot of people talking about colonoscopies. I guess we're all getting up there. But, you know, and obviously, Will, a lot of his stuff is entertaining and stuff like that. So I wasn't expecting anything with that. But right at the end of the video, towards the end of the video, as he was getting his info from his doctor, uh, she was telling them that he had precancerous polyps on within his colon, nothing too serious. But when she said that, the look on his face right then is what hit me. Because he had this look like, oh, I wasn't expecting to right. hear anything. And at that, that moment in time, it hit me and Jason was still with us at the time. I'm like, wow, 
cancer doesn't give a flying rat's ass if you're my friend from high school or some movie music megastar. Right. It, you know, it can come for you. And why am I so special? I'm not. <laughs> and I, we were in California uh, probably about four years at that time. And I hadn't been to a doctor since we've been in California. I was okay. feeling fine. Why oh. would I go yeah. get stuff? Why would I go do stuff? So because of my friend Jason and because of that look on Will Smith's face, I'm like, you know what? Let me go ahead and go to the doctor. <laughs> That's great, dude. That's crazy. That, oh because I saw those videos, I went to the doctor and they're telling me, boy, you're wow. really lucky that you came in when you did. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right that's, now? So, that's, that's the craziest story I've heard in a, in a while. Yep. That's, in, and, that's incredible. Yeah. And, that's incredible. And so I go to the, you know, so that's the thing. So I go to the doctor cause I'm like, I want to get screened for colonoscopy and all this yeah. kind of stuff. So he, you know, obviously being a new patient takes all of this blood work and mm-hmm. all of this stuff and, you know, plot twist, your PSA level is elevated. I'm like, Oh, what? And so it turns out almost a year to the date that will release that video. He released it in November of 2019 in November, 2020 is when I woke up from my cancer surgery. I had it almost a year to the day of that video. I have goosebumps. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And wild. And (laughs) the, the odd thing is it wasn't until after that surgery And by the way, they said after the surgery, they also said, hey, you know what? We got it all. However, it was so aggressive that we think that you also need to do hormone therapy and radiation to prevent recurrence. So that's why I'm still like, you know, I'm almost, you know, 10 months out from that now. And I'm still kind of fighting it because they're like, there's a high likelihood that this could come back if you don't do anything. So a lot of, a lot of times they said, you know, we might do one or the other hormone therapy or radiation, but they said, because it had kind of gotten into your lymphatic system, we're going to recommend hormone therapy and we want to do radiation just to make sure it's all knocked out. But in preparation for the radiation um, is when almost a year and a half later, I finally got my colonoscopy and it was clear. So that was good. Cause I was still freaking out about that. Cause I'm like, guys, I came in a long time ago to get this check. We still haven't checked this thing. What's up? So I was like, and it was, it it wasn't makes it so bad. It was like, that makes it so bad. But like, that's how blessed I was really, because it was like a, a non-issue like, Oh yeah, it's clear. It's fine. But it was because of that, that I even found out. So. It exactly. kind of freaks me out. Just and you felt fine. Thing. That's the thing that's blowing my mind is you felt totally fine. There was incredible. No, yeah, there were no that's, signs. Wow, that's that's incredible. So I know we talked a lot about your health, and I I do want to shift the conversation a little bit because I know we connected through Artist Collective, which is an artist development consulting agency that helps independent artists with their branding and their marketing and all the amazing things. And of course, Evan Price helped me with my branding and pivot this podcast. So we have to, of course, credit the man. But yes, 
Yes, AC Evan, the plug. And uh, so I want to I want to chat about coaching, which is what this season is really focusing uh, about. And uh, mm-hmm. I want to, of course, pick your brain because you you wrote this book that is amazing uh, to help other creatives and musicians with their live streaming. And so the question I want to I want to talk about first and foremost is um, what would you say is the biggest challenge for for creatives, especially when it comes to connecting with their audience? Because I know for me, when I, especially when I focused on the music, right, I was so absorbed in the creating process mm-hmm. that connecting with my audience, I just kind of felt like, well, they'll either like it or they won't, right? <laughs> so I know, especially with yeah. the live stream, there's that connection aspect. So what would you say is the biggest challenge you've experienced thus far? The biggest challenge I would say is finding that common ground of things that you are comfortable sharing and talking about um, that may or may not be your music, but actually being comfortable with it, just like you just mentioned, if it's not your music, is being comfortable with maybe sharing um, a part of your journey that has helped shape you, that has helped bring you where you are, that might not actually be music. Because I know as musicians and artists, we're so focused on our craft and our creativity. Like that's what we want people to like. A lot of times that's what we're putting out there. And it's like, this is, this is me. It's like, that's a part of you. That's a part of you. Just like Evan obviously talks about, that's part of your brand. But like, there's so many other aspects of it. And especially now that, you know, it's almost the entire world is, is, can be, you know, connected on screen. Um, It's like, what other aspects of you can you share that you're comfortable sharing? Again, we're not trying to say you got to tell everybody everything, but what other aspects of you are you comfortable uh, sharing? Because a lot of times I see artists that will be basically dormant on social media unless there's a release. And it's a very obvious pattern and I'm trying to encourage, you know, artists to be like, hey, if I'm noticing in this, I just want you to know your fans are probably noticing it too. And that's probably one of the reasons why it feels like you have to work so hard to get people to engage when you have a release Mm. is because you have why should I care now yeah why should I care now so it's like the more the more conversation we can have the more conversations you can start just on a regular basis just in a normal you know conversation kind of way your music just coming up and being something to release you don't have to also reintroduce yourself (laughs) also remind people that you're active it's like oh yeah by the way (laughs) You know, right. so the, yeah. Um, so that to me, that's one of the biggest, biggest challenges that I can see. And yeah, one yeah. of the reasons that I wrote the, that I wrote the book is like, look, just, just open it up and, and pick something, just mm-hmm. pick something and, and connect. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, it's so interesting because I know your book is called uh, 365 live stream ideas for musicians, but The truth is this can be applicable, you know, if you're listening to this as a coach, as a healer, you know, I've made the transition into coaching myself as well. But the truth of the matter is if you're only promoting yourself when you have a new program out or you have a new uh, one-on-one session out, right? Oh, my new coaching program, my new eight-week program, enroll now. It's the same thing as saying my new single, my new album is out now. It's the same concept. So 
Yes. It doesn't really matter if you're a coach, if you're an artist, it doesn't right. matter. You're still, it's still self-serving. So I think the gist is always be leading with that value so that when you do have that program or that song, they're excited to hear from you. So I think that's really important. Now, what advice would you give to someone who is so focused on the music or their craft, their coaching, and they don't know what to pick? Like, how do they pick what to go live on? Like, what if they're just like, I don't know, I'm just, I just like to make music or I just like to do meditation. I don't know what else to to share. I'm a quote unquote boring person. How does one figure out what to share? <laughs> if you're, if you doubt or if you have no idea what to share, then uh, I'm going to steal this mindset shift from Gary V that affected me. Okay. But uh, thinking about <laughs> it, document, don't create. You you do stuff all the time. And yes, it's probably boring to you because it's you and you know what's going to happen. You know what you're thinking. You realize that you, know, you did this yesterday. You're going to do it again. But uh, it's not boring to us especially with just a little bit of, you know, providing just a little bit of context and then go do your thing. It could literally be, all right, guys, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, working on this song today. I'm really kind of struggling with like where to take the, the bridge and this chord progression here isn't quite what I want it to be. But yeah, just, you know, come on in and let me know in the comments if you have any ideas or whatever. But I'm just going to work on this. Thanks for tuning in. Da, 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 da. Like it could be as unstructured as that. And it can yeah. be as open as you telling what you're struggling with or telling what you're working on. So in the book, there's a bunch of themes and how to do recurring stuff and all, all kinds of ideas to like show up on a regular basis. But honestly, just pressing record and just getting started and just being real you're like I don't know what to say okay hit record and then say I don't know what to say like you would be surprised how how relatable that could be if you're like I don't know what to do on camera guess what you bet a lot of your audience can probably relate to the same thing because they're probably having the same sort of issues in their day-to-day lives with their business or with their work or Mm -hmm. something like that so um, that would be that would be one thing that'd be my one piece of advice. I love that. I love that. Yeah, there's definitely a shift because I know growing up, you know, and I grew up in like the early 90s dating myself right now. But that's okay. Girl, um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there was a sense of like perfection, especially mm. when it came to the music industry. Like you don't share the struggle. You don't share mm-hmm. the behind the scenes, right? Because if, yeah. if you do see the behind the scenes, it was the behind the music, right? It was like... Right. Like was you saw polish. that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you don't see Beyonce struggling. You don't see like, you know what I mean? Like there's this sense yeah. of like this allure of perfection. So I think often, especially with artists and creatives, it's like, no, 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 no. It has to be completely polished, perfect music video. I'm in shape, this, that, you know, when really right. I think what our generation and our audience is craving more than anything now is authenticity is vulnerability and if you get on that camera and say you know what i'm going to share and document my journey of losing these 40 pounds to Mm -hmm. get ready for the video shoot 
you'd be surprised yeah. how much people would actually want to see that journey and then see you actually get to that place. Even though exactly. you may cringe and be like, oh, do I really want to document that? But honestly, people <laughs> right. would, would, I think, appreciate that and love to see that leading up to then your album release. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I yeah. really I really love uh, your answer. So what made you actually say, you know what, I'm going to sit here and write a book? Because that is not an easy task. <laughs> it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done. I <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be, but you know, a lot of times that's what, what hurdles are. You're not, not sure they're going to be a hurdle till you get up to it. But it, I spent a long time as a booking agent and helping bands get shows. And so I've just always been in that kind of, of mindset. And I, when we moved to California from Indianapolis, I'd kind of gotten out of a lot of booking and things like that. Um, but then I still had some friends and bands and stuff like that. They were still doing some random stuff for, and at the beginning of 2020, I'd literally had a conversation, um, with the band back in Indianapolis and agreed to like, come back on as their, their booking agent and come back on and be like, I'm going to help you guys get some gigs and stuff like that in Indianapolis. And we were negotiating stuff and talking and we finally gotten things worked out and, started helping them get some shows and had things lined up. I think it was like maybe six shows over the course of like seven or eight days that were lined up. And that was going to be my first kind of like real step back into booking. Um, Unfortunately, that was um, St. Patrick's Day weekend, 2020, uh, which is when everything went to hell. So that didn't happen. Uh, so it was like I was building up to this thing, right. working with these oh. bands. Like, oh, by the way, they're all canceled. And so, working with them, and then obviously seeing everything going on uh, around me and things like that, I'm like, wow, you know what? I've live streamed quite a bit before, not like a ton, but like I can see people freaking out, band leaders freaking out. You know, income being lost. I'm like, you know what? Let me go on and start live streaming. So I started live streaming to show people, hey, here's StreamYard. Here's this tool. You could use this. And so I just started going live a couple of times. And then it just hit me. I'm like, oh, you know what? I should write a book. I should write a book called Live Streaming for Musicians. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a book that's going to teach musicians how to live stream. And Long story short with that, it was too much to keep up. Like every single day, no matter how and when I pressed save on my ideas, like it was out of date. Um, I know it was long. I know it seems like a really long time ago, but like Facebook, Instagram, all the popular social platforms were making all of these updates and doing all of these things to help accommodate live streaming. New platforms were popping up pretty much every other day and the how-to part of it just became too overwhelming so I kind of shifted from trying to write a book to let me just do some blogs so I literally was blogging every week and just trying to catch catch people and trying to help out like that so I kind of put the book idea away for a while but then in the fall I realized that I was as I was coaching that I was having a lot of conversations with bands and things like that that were live streaming but by that time, um, the, the newness of it had worn off and fans had stopped tipping. 
uh, quite as much as they were when everything's first started popping off. And so I realized that a lot of my conversations were about ideas. Mm-hmm. And that's when I'm like, oh, wait, ideas are a little bit more evergreen than a how-to manual on a specific platform or something like that. Let me let me see if I can start collecting some things. So that's kind of when in the fall it kind of picked back up and I started kind of collecting ideas and writing stuff down and researching and things like that. Um, but even then I was still kind of lollygagging until, you know, obviously, and again, during all that time, I was also dealing with the cancer stuff, but that was one thing also that I, when I woke up from the surgery that I said, I need to finish this. Like, this is something I've been working on for almost a year. Like this is, this is a, you know, obviously this isn't like family or something like, you know, meaningful in that kind of way. But I'm like, this is something that I want to do. It's a goal that I want to accomplish. So that also kind of tied together, like I need to get this done. So finally happened about four months later. Yay. And you did it. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm, I'm very excited for you. I have an author on the podcast. Very cool. So I, I know the book is primarily focused and geared towards musicians and, and creatives in the, in the music industry. However, I'm going to just take advantage of the fact that you're here and you're a fellow coach like myself. Could you share any ideas that, that you may have for fellow coaches or creatives that would want to go live or maybe they have a mu- you know music background like myself and they could go live with an idea if you have any if not no pressure i know i'm kind of putting you on the spot <laughs> no 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 that's fine yeah i would say that if there is a way that you can uh, i'm going to i'm going to go i'm going to go down the youtube route for a second if there's a way that you can find i'm going to call it a uh, and I'm just making this up on the spot, but I'm going to call it traffic hacking or attention hacking. If there's a way that you can come up with a recurring show idea and be able to tap into things that people are already talking about, already searching for, but put your spin on it and have your own commentary on it to make it a part of your brand. That is something that I'm actually working on right now. And I've been kind of like planning out for like a month now, like doing a lot of research, but I've researched a lot of channels. And if, if you think about it, movie review channels, reaction videos, cover songs, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but those are just a few examples. But people are commenting on other content that's popular that may be trending or something like that. But it's not just, oh, let me just randomly find something. It's specifically find something that can be within your brand, but also that is popular so that you don't have to carry all the weight yourself of, okay, I have to use exactly the right keywords. I have to post every single day. I have to do this, this, and this. There are so many people online now searching for so much stuff. A lot of that, or I should say a lot of that, there's probably several different types of content out there that is really uh, tied to or can be closely tied to things that you believe in, things that are part of your brand, things that you could comment on. 
But if I had to, you know, break that down even away from a platform, I would say think about uh, someone asked me this question once. I think you've even seen it on a meme, but it's like, what's a topic that you could talk about for 30 minutes or an hour without any prep time whatsoever? Mm-hmm. If you think about that concept and then find a way to actually see if there are other people talking about that and then be able to actually put your spin on it or think about how you could show up maybe on a weekly basis and give your opinion on that to your fans. Cause I, I guarantee you, you spend any amount of time, for example, on Twitch, I don't care what you're interested in. There's probably an idea an very similar or an yeah. audience out there that is yeah. waiting to see it. I, have been out there and I've seen so much stuff. I saw a guy that was had this most beautiful voice and he was playing keyboards. This was Twitch. He's playing keyboards and he's writing this stuff. I'm like, dude, dude's got awesome. Oh man, this is amazing. He's like, okay guys. And he stands up and the other part of his show was powerlifting. So then what? he went, right? <laughs> but that was his thing. He's I like, didn't expect that. Me either. <laughs> But no, that was his, those were the two things that he did. Like he sang, and then I think his music was kind of playing in the background. And he, I was like, okay, all right. And he had probably 100 people online watching him, commenting, you know, giving him money and stuff. But yeah, so. Fascinating. Yeah, just think about starting within and then seeing Mm. what else is already out there that you might be able to combine and tap into um, just, just knowing that there's so much traffic and so much stuff going on out there already. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I just love the way you started out. Think about starting within. That's mm-hmm. very deep as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah. that's, that's beautiful. And I think that's really solid and great advice. And, you know, with the saturation of social media and all these, you know, platforms, platforms popping up, thinking outside of the box is going to, you're going to have to do that. So I really like that. And at the same time, you're also taking off some of the pressure of creating new content and, and, you know, reinventing the wheel. So absolutely love that. Thank you so much, Leonard, for coming on the podcast. Before we wrap up this episode, I always ask this question and I've gotten so much incredible nuggets over uh, this past year. What are some of your words of wisdom that you would like to share with our audience before we sign off? I would say, and thank you so much for, for having me. Um, this has been, been a treat and we'll have to connect again before we break out of California. But um, words of wisdom, I would say, you know, don't, don't take it for granted. Just lean into your strengths, lean into who you are, surround yourself with those that, that will support you and, but be conscious of those that don't. Um, even if they don't support you, doesn't mean that there's not a learning opportunity or that you know you still can't get along or that you know there's still not um, area for growth in that as well. But but yeah, definitely just don't take it for granted. Whether it's time, money, family, health, whatever it is, and live 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 your life to the fullest. And you know, definitely think about try to think beyond your time, but think about your legacy and what you want to leave. And hopefully we can leave this, leave this earth a little bit better 
often when we came into it. So very beautifully said. Thank you so much, Leonard. Thank and you. if you can let everybody know where they can follow you, support you, and where they can buy the book. Yes, uh, you can buy the book on Amazon. Um, again, it is 365 live stream ideas for musicians on Amazon. And yes, please feel free to connect on Instagram. It is AC underscore Leonard P, and that's L E O N A R D P. And yeah, I'd love to chat if you've got questions or want to hop on a coaching call and, you know, build a live stream revenue stream. Let's do it. I'm all game. Or if you just want to talk, I'm cool with that too. So, um, but yeah, thanks so much for, for having me again to me. It's been great. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. And thank you all for listening until next time. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're a coach or a spiritual entrepreneur of any kind and you've been considering starting your own podcast, but you're a little overwhelmed, you don't know where to start, I need your help. I've actually been considering putting together an online course along with an accountability factor so you're able to step-by-step know exactly how to launch your own podcast. So if that's something you're interested in, please check the show notes. There's a link there which breaks down exactly what would be included. And so if I get enough interest, I'm definitely excited to put this together. So please let me know. Let me know if this is something you'd want to be a part of. Uh, Sending you so much love and until next time.